Man, you ready? Yeah. Concentrate. Let's Concentrate go, with me. Oh, 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 oh. What you said? We do this day by day. Yeah. We live like this because we got it, y'all. There we go. How you doing, man? Yeah, I'm doing very well. Thanks for for making the time this evening. Oh, well, this evening here in the UK. Yes, yeah. So, um, you know, when I put out the fact that we're, we're bringing on, I had um, had loads of questions. Um, but one of the things about our show is that most of my viewers like to know the background side. They, you know, they want to, they see the videos, they see the albums, but they want to know what was like behind the scenes. Uh, the good stuff and the challenging stuff because it's in this time of COVID and stuff it's always motivating to hear that you know it's not always glamorous at the, at the other side and you have to go through stuff uh, to come through and stuff um, I have an international audience so it'd be great to find out where, where, you, where you're from and uh, go from there oh man um, born and raised in Chicago um, single songwriter producer uh, um, yeah <laughs> Yeah, Chicago, you know, because I was, um, I went to college in, in Milwaukee and uh, Chicago, you know, we used to Michigan Avenue, the pier and stuff. Yeah. Never really got down to the south side. But what part of Chicago were you, were you raised? Uh, south side, um, um, I grew up on 45th and King Drive and then, you know, uh, my mom and dad were separated. So I, I lived with my dad as well and he lived on 52nd and Damon. So it's like right, right there in the heart of the hood, you know. Wow. I mean... Yeah. There's a lot of the news about Chicago right now, um, but as I said, when I when I used to live there, it wasn't when I used to visit, it wasn't as bad as things are now. But music, though, where where was inspiration from for you? Uh, for me, musically, man, my mom had a hell of a record collection, man. I mean, um, she had so many records, man. She probably had over four thousand records, man. Four thousand. Yeah, she because she collected records for a long time, man, and. Um, um, every day, man, before she'd get up and go to work, man, she, she had a music blasting. So um, my inspiration came from, you know, listening to Stevie Wonder, Michael Jackson, Gene Karn, Patrice Russian, the Ivy Brothers, uh, the Commodores, uh, wow. Tina Marie, Rick James, um, uh, Keith Sweat, Babyface. I mean, just everybody, you know, yeah. everybody that was out. Cause she, you know, she loved music that much that she bought it. Stylistics. Um, wow. The five stair step, um, you know. So my, my music uh, uh, diversity goes from from the beginning. My grandma played a lot of jazz music too. Wow. Sarah Bond, uh, um, Dizzy uh, Gillespie, uh, just just so much stuff. I was uh, uh, was able to listen to growing up. The, the, the ability to sing. Where did that come from? Uh, well, my mom and my dad sings. My my dad. Uh, 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 is an awesome singer, man. Uh, um, him and his brothers had a group. Um, wow. they, they had a gospel group. They sung um, a lot of gospel. Then they, they switched over to R&B a little bit. Uh, and my mom was also in a group. Um, they met each other and then they uh, they had my sister and they had me. And my grandmama sang as well. Wow. Did, was it always in your, in, in, from you to become a, a singer or what was it like as a kid growing up? I mean, for me, man, I, I, I I, I couldn't really see myself doing anything else but music, you know, like that was, that was the thing, you know, when I was in, in, in high school and, and, and in school, man, I, I was a horrible student, you know, I was, the funny thing about it is I would pass the test, but I, but um, um, I didn't like school. The only thing I liked about school was music class, 
You know, mm-hmm. I, I'd have all A's in the music class and, and, and be horrible at everything else. Okay. Because that's, that was, I, I was interested in music, you know, so, yeah. yeah. Now, I did hear that you joined a group, was it Porsche or Porsche? Porsche. Porsche, okay, yeah. okay. Yeah. yeah. What was the idea, I mean, about being in a group? Because was it, how, what year was this around? What year was this? Um, I think I was in the group. My group started around when I was maybe 15. I don't know uh, uh, how many years ago that was, but but uh, um, I think so, it was around maybe ni- 90, maybe, maybe late, 90. late 80s or something like that. Yeah, no, yeah, but yeah, but I say about yeah, about about 89, okay, something like that. I mean, I was in high school and I, I worked at this uh, I worked at McDonald's and um, um, this is how I got in the group. I was working at McDonald's. I was flipping the burgers and singing and stuff like that. And then the manager had came over. He was like, yo, dude, man, you sound pretty good. Uh, we're having an audition for our group. I think you should come and try out for it. So, uh, you know, quite naturally, you know, I, I went, I sang for them. They loved it. And they put me in a group. And that's that's how I, I got in that group. So were you guys performing in talent shows and stuff? Man, we had countless talent shows around Chicago. Uh, we... We went up against a lot of groups that were in Chicago at the time. Uh, we made a pretty good name for ourselves in Chicago, um, but we couldn't. We never could get signed. So uh, one year, what we did was we uh, uh, we all jumped in. It was me. It was my group, the Brat, uh, uh, a few other yeah, a few other artists that were in uh, in Chicago at the time. We all jumped in this band. A uh, lady by the name of Helen Wooten was uh, kind of like uh, our managers, so she put us all in this van and we drove down to Washington D.C. And uh, we had a showcase, but nobody came to the showcase because nobody knew who we were. So we're, we're performing in front of this empty audience, you know, <laughs> with nobody there. Um, so, you know what, well, we decided, man, that we were gonna go outside the hotel and just sing for anybody who walked up. And, uh, and, and Eddie F, Heavy D's DJ, was one of the people that walked up. He was like, yo, man, uh, we like, can, can we sing for you? He was like, go ahead, I don't care. Did you so know who he was, though? Did, did you know that he was Eddie F? Yeah, we knew we knew he was Eddie F. Because you know, okay. we we watched the videos, we you know, okay. like, oh that's Eddie F right there. Let's go over that, you know. So um uh we asked him, can he sing? Can, can we sing? Uh he was like, Yeah, go ahead. So we started singing, he loved it. He was like, Yo, man, I'm gonna sign you guys, you know, quite naturally. We didn't believe it. Okay. Uh, so, when he, so when he walked off, we started singing for somebody else because we seen another star come out. So we started singing for, for them. He immediately walked back over and was like, No, don't sing for nobody else, guys. I'm gonna sign you. And uh, and about what, a month later, two months later, he sent us plane tickets from uh from Atlanta. I mean, he sent us plane tickets to to uh to um Chicago to fly to Jersey, where he lived at at the time. And uh, and that's that's how we got time. Well, was it the group and the brats or just the group? That was the group, the whole group. But what about the brat? You said she was part of the. Did she? She, no, was, she had got. She had met at that time. She had met Jermaine Dupree. Okay. And and she had got signed as well. Okay. Okay. So he signed. These, how many were in the group? Uh, four. It's four member group. Okay. So, what did your folks say when you <laughs> when you said heavy these DJs signing us and, and sending us to Atlanta? How, were they like, yeah, go ahead? Or wait, say it again. I, I missed the question. Say it again. Your family, your parents. What did they think when you told them that heavy these DJs about to sign us and I'm flying to um, Atlanta? You know what, my my parents, um, they were okay with it. Again, they were they weren't too much involved in in my musical career like that because, again, my my, my um, 
when I met Eddie, I think we were, I was like 18 okay. uh, at that particular time. Um, so when we met him, uh, my parents were, they were not that involved. You know, my dad was like, man, you better get you a damn job. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and, and stop thinking about this music stuff. You sitting there laying on my couch and, and, and I got to get up and go to work every day. You got to do something, son. So he wasn't really too happy about, you know, um, about how things were going with me. Cause uh, again, you know, when you ain't making no money, man, and, yeah. and you got to watch your pops get up, he, he kind of pissed off about that. So, uh, but they were very happy, very, very supportive. Um, I got on that plane, man, and and um, and uh, uh, I never looked back. So then, before you get signed, what what happens that you don't, only you go through? What what happens? So when we get to so when we get to uh, uh well, we, the group had already been together for quite some time. You know, I think we were already together maybe about three or four years. Wow. Uh, so, you know, we, we were already having some problems, you know, because we, we, we didn't make it. Uh, it, was, it was hard for us. So we already had some turmoil going on inside the group before we met Eddie. So that was our, our last hope was just to go out there and sing for anybody because after that, we would have been done with each other. So mm -hmm. he kind of saved us as a group. So by the time we got to Eddie's house, you know, um, I was pretty much one of the songwriters of the group. There was another guy by the name of Tobar. Who, uh, who was one of the writers of the group. Uh, also, Paul, uh, was uh, uh, he didn't write as much, but he did write some. So when we got to Eddie's place, um, I was the only one who can play, uh, play the piano. So when we got there, Eddie had this, uh, he had a pre-production room and he also had the big studio in his house. Wow. So he would let us go down there and just, just create and just learn the equipment. But it was just me going down there. You know, I would just be in that room all day. You know, he had... Eddie probably had maybe like four or five other artists, not besides us living there too. But I was just, I was just monopolized that space. Man, everybody would try to get in there. I'd just be in there by myself with the dope clothes, you know, just trying to learn this equipment. Yeah. Uh, while the other guys was, you know, nobody else did music. So the other guys would be outside playing basketball. And I guess one day while we were there, uh, a big fight broke out, you know, on the basketball court and, and the fought, I mean, and, and the, uh, the fight came from outside to inside. So they bust a big hole in his walls. Oh, God. So he was like, yo, man, y'all got to get the hell out of my house. <laughs> I brought you guys here to work and and, and, and y'all messing up my house. Like, y'all got to go. So he sent everybody home. Not just, not, not just me, but all the other groups that was there too, everybody had to go home. So when we went home, um, about a month later, he called me up. He was like, yo, Donnell, um, let me go back a little bit. He had a, uh, he had a, um, he had a compilation album that he was coming out with, um, called The Untouchable. Oh, from Motown. Okay. And, uh, and I had wrote a song with Dave Hall for that project called I Can Make You Feel Real Good. That's the only song that me and the group ever had that came out. So he knew that I was a songwriter, that he loved what I did. So when he sent us home, he called me up and he said, yo, Donnell, I'm working on this new artist called Usher. Um, I want you to come and write a song with me, I'm gonna fly you back down to come write a song. So when he flew me back, you know, I wrote the song, um, Usher liked it, I met him. Um, so Puff had heard that record. He was like, yo, this dude kind of got a nice writing style. Why don't you send him over here? Cause I got, a, I got a track that can't nobody write to. It's been hard for people to write to this damn track. So I want, I want to see if, if, uh, if Donnell could do it. So I went over there, man, and I, I wrote a uh, um, Think of You uh, with Faith Evans. And, uh, and that became one of uh, Usher's biggest records. And that from that point on, man, I mean, my life started to change. Um, um, shortly after that, uh, 
I had wrote, I had produced and wrote In the Hood, um, Yearning, and I think, uh, uh, I forget the other name of the song that's on that album. But I had wrote it. Eddie F was like, yo, man, go back home and try to get the guys to, uh, to record these records with you. So I went back home, uh, tried to get them to record it. Uh, actually, we wrote, we wrote uh, In the Hood together. Um, but I tried to get them to record the record. They wouldn't record it. So I just recorded it myself. And when I got back to uh, when I got, what got you, what back to Eddie, they, what do you mean they wouldn't want to record it? What, they didn't want to do it. They didn't want to. They didn't want to do it. You know, at that time, I think they were still upset that Eddie had brought me out there by myself. You know, um, but when I came back, I was like, "Yo, Eddie, like these joints right here. Um, he wants us to record it, so I can bring it back." You know what I'm saying? So they didn't want to record it. So what happened? Well, wow. I ended up recording the songs myself. Got back and uh, gave him to Eddie. He loved it. He was like, yo, I say, man, I ain't want to do it. He said, right, I'm going to go get you a deal. So he went and got me a deal. He went and sat down with L.A. Reid, man, and, and, and played the music for, I think he played it for, for L.A. and Pebbles. And, uh, and at that time, man, uh, they was like, yo, I, I want to meet him. You know, bring, bring him down to Atlanta. And uh, when I got down to Atlanta, I, I, I sang uh, Yearning Live for him. And he was like, yo, young brother, come back with a, with a record. I want to put it out. Wow, goodness. I mean, I think most people who listen to this and not understand why the guys have seen you've got a golden opportunity and they would just say no. Could they be that upset that they that they would just think, no, you know, forget it, we'd rather go work in McDonald's than, than actually sing? Well, no, because at that, at that time when I was working with, um, with, with Eddie and, and I was writing those songs, they were also working with a... Uh, another artist in Chicago. They were writing oh, some songs for some other people in Chicago. Okay. I just think that they felt like, okay, well, you got your thing going on. I'm gonna have my, we're gonna have our thing going on. But okay. when I tried to get it, you know, get us back together to record those songs, it, it just, they, they just didn't want to do it. So yeah. I wasn't gonna miss the opportunity. I just went ahead and did the songs. And, uh, and uh, again, you know, we were already going through a lot of stuff as a group already. Yeah. So that was like the final nail in the coffin right there. Now, the one thing you skipped over is that here you are, you moved out, so you met Eddie, you're meeting Puffy. I mean, he was probably one of the biggest people around by that time. How did it feel? Did you feel in awe, or did you just feel like, yeah, no problem, you're just, you're just working? Or did you just, did you not realize there was this, this is so much so quick? Not, it, it, it may sound like it was quick, but it wasn't that quick. You know, um, um, this, this was years and years and years of work that we had did as a group to even get to that point. So for me, um, meeting Puff and all that, I mean, I'm, I'm not a starstruck person. I don't, you know, I, my my opportunity to work, that was what I always wanted. So I I went in with my head down and I, I worked. You know, um, when I got to uh, to Jersey and, and to New York, uh, Eddie put me around a lot of, I was around Kenny Green, you know what I'm saying? So I was around, I was around uh, Dave Hall. I was around yeah. Kenny Carnegie, uh, Kenny Tung. Um, a, lot of, a lot of his untouchable producers I was around uh, and it and it developed my sound. It developed my craft. I mean, I was around Eddie. You know what I'm saying? So, so um, um, he put me around a lot of great people, man. So when it was time to work, I just worked. You know, I just yeah. worked. And I never, when I got there that time, I I stayed. You know, I stayed there, and I, I never went back home except you know to, to visit, uh, to visit my family. But New York became my my home at that point because now I'm working. Now I'm working. I'm, I'm getting things done, mm. and uh, um, that's what things happen for me. So did you feel that you're part of mainly the untouchables? Because I know I, I interviewed Buddy um, a couple of weeks ago and about, you know, Kenny just used to write almost as if he was drinking water. 
did, did, was it, did Eddie try and keep the untouchable teams close by? Or the fact that you're signed to LaFace, do you have to follow the sort of TLC and the LaFace crowd? What, what was it like? Nah, I, I was all untouchables, man. I, I was, you know, I was a LaFace art. Well, I was a, I was an untouchables artist on LaFace. Okay. Because it, it was it was a production deal um, with with untouchables and LaFace. So I was always on untouchables. Okay. Um, and nah, Eddie, Eddie wasn't like that, man. Eddie, Eddie was like, yo, man, go work. Go do whatever you need to do. You know what I'm saying? Because the bigger you are, the bigger it makes our brand. So he was never that kind of person where you want to hold you. Nah, he wasn't yeah, like yeah. that. He was more yeah. like, you know, the the, the more you go do, do yeah. everything. You yeah. know, go do everything because it's going to make you bigger as an artist. Yeah. And that's what I really appreciated about him, man. He he never held me back. You know what I'm saying? He always, you know, pushing me, pushing yeah. me. You know what I'm saying? Even even sometimes I, I would be a little hesitant, he still pushed me. You know what I'm saying? Nah, 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 go do that. Go do that. Yeah. So um, that's what I really respect and love about Eddie. I mean, yeah, um, Jimmy Jim, uh, Jimmy Jenkins um, from Uptown said the same thing about Eddie, you know, being a sort of a genius and just, and then everyone else who I've spoken, I've spoken to have just nothing but nice things to say about him. I think Buddy thought about how he set them up with ASCAP and all that stuff so that he wasn't trying to take their money and stuff. Man, he did the same thing for me, man. I mean, you know, uh, he just made it really, really easy. You know, he made it really, really easy, man, you know, and, and I can appreciate him for that. You know, um, I wouldn't be where I am today if, if Eddie hadn't walked into my life. Yeah. And so now you're, you're, you're on the face. You know, you've got the, probably the best songwriter in our generation with Babyface. Um, and then, you know, L.A. as an amazing producer. Did you, you know, did you get to meet Babyface or is it just made LL, um, LL, L.A. that you were working with? Well, in, in, in the beginning, uh, it was only L.A. You know, Babyface was a studio rat, so he... He's always in the studio, and, and L.A. was the guy taking care of the business. But eventually, I did get a chance to meet um, um, Babyface. And, you know, he for me, man, I mean, now I was starstruck on that. Because <laughs> I watched Babyface, you know, like he was one of my idols. You know what I'm saying? Like his writing style, everything about him was so dope. He had, he had his own sound. Yeah. You know? And that was the thing that I was, I was drawn towards singers, songwriters, producers, because that's what I wanted to become. Yeah. I was surprised. Did he ever, you didn't get him to, to plan a song for you? You know what, man? The funny thing about that, man, is that, you know, when we, when we got to LaFace and uh, and I met with L.A. Reid, he loved what I did for Usher and he loved what I had wrote for myself so much that, that they was like, yo, they were looking for an artist like me that was self-contained because, you know, they, a lot of pressure was already on Babyface to yeah. write everybody's projects. So yeah, they, yeah. they wanted to have a single, another guy in the building that they didn't have to worry about. Let him go do his thing. We don't have to worry about him. Okay. And, and that, was, that was the greatest thing about it because I had, it was me, I could write and produce. And then we had Eddie. Then we had the Untouchables. So we yeah. really didn't need, you know, to get, I would love to have one. Like, don't, don't get me wrong. <laughs> I would have loved to have a babyface record, you know what I'm saying? But they had enough confidence in the team that, that Eddie created that we could handle it. You know, and by that time, you know, Eddie had already did intro, he had already did the Mary project. I mean, yeah. so I mean he was already on fire. They knew he could deliver. Yeah, yeah. I think one of the questions people ask is how, uh, did you did you and Kenny ever write anything together? Nah, we never wrote anything together, man. But uh um I just used to watch Kenny, man. He'd go in the bathroom, man, and 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 and, and write, you know what I'm saying, and come out with a hit, you know. I mean, he and he was pretty fast too. Yeah, and so you, you you do your first album. I mean, that in the hood, 
the original for me was the best. I, I, I wasn't too keen on the, the remix um, okay. for some strange reason. Because the original, it's almost like it was so perfect, the first one. But what was it like then doing a video shoot and, and then doing all the promotional stuff? Because being an artist in a studio is one thing, but now you have to go promote yourself. What was it like for you? I mean, you're doing it now, but back in those early days, what was it like for you? For me, it was tough. It was tough because I'm, I mean, quite naturally, I'm, a, I'm an introvert. You know, so and I'm a quiet guy. I'm, I'm that guy when you walk in the room, Donnell's over there in the corner chilling. You know what I'm saying? You know, I'd rather be in the studio. So it, it, it was tough for me in the beginning, um, but I and I had to open up. You know, it took me quite some time to to get to that point. But uh, in the beginning, man, I was real sheltered, um, and it was tough because I wasn't used to being around a lot of people. You know, most of the people I'm around, I know them. I know their mannerisms. I know how they behave. So I mean, for me to be uh, in a in a crowded room. I kind of got some anxiety about that, you know, so, um, but I, I love the opportunity, man. My first video, we had to shoot that in the hood video like twice, you know, right. the first, the first video, you know, it was my first video. I, I, I didn't have no, it wasn't no facial expressions, it wasn't no, you know, it was, it was just, damn, man, we need, we need more out of here. Like, you know what I'm saying? So we ended up shooting that video twice, man. Um, um, I think uh, uh, T-Boz directed the second video. Wow. Over the girls with the baseball bat and all yeah, that. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah um, so yeah, that's 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 pretty much what happened with with, with the video situation. Yeah, did in, in those early days because a lot of people ask. I mean, of course, left eye. Everyone's going to ask tons of questions with that, but I'll get to that later. But in those two, you you went you you written for Usher, and I actually did like that particular track because um, it was you came off of the Devante track, and it really really pushed and, and made the album his album go really go well. Uh, the question I had was the collaboration with Faith. Um, can I, I wonder when you have two different artists writing a song, what is it like? I mean, does, does somebody write the first verse and you write the second, or is it the chorus? How, did, how, does, how does that come together? Okay, well, well, I, I, again, you know, Pump was trying to get everybody to write this record, because that, that beat is not your regular beat. It's like, you know, the doom, doom, doom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so, so he tried to get a lot of people to write this track, and they couldn't. So... So what happened was when I got there, um, all the time I no, think that it, just, it just came, it just came to me as soon as I heard the track. Um, so I ended uh, up writing the verses and I wrote the hook. Okay. And 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 what happened was Faith came in and she wrote the bridge. To unlock all that part right there. She she did that. So we kind of collaborated on that, you know what I'm saying? And okay. that, that's pretty much how that song came together. But the verses were already, I wrote the verses. And the hook, and she came in and did that uh, that bridge part. Okay, okay, yeah. okay, okay. So that's 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 the kind of questions I had, and it because I think you, you you always people who know you would say, oh, Danelle writes and produces his own stuff, and that's when when I spoke to Eric, I said, but how come he was brought in, you were, he was brought in for his, to do some stuff in his second album? Was it something in the face with thinking, okay, we, we need to change things around, or what, what was the idea behind getting other um, people? You talk about on on the second album? Yes, on the second album. Um, on the second album, um, I, I think that what happened was they just wanted to, you know, do some different things. You know what I'm saying? Which, you know, at any beginning, I didn't like it, you know, because I already felt like we could we could handle it, and we could. You know, the first album to me was a classic. I think yeah. it's, it's it's one of the uh, dopest first albums from from a male artist. You know, that's just my opinion. Yeah. Um. But again, you know, we only sold maybe 300,000 records, if, and, and that may be pushing it. Um, 
but they gave me another shot. So, so what happened was uh, when we went back in the studio to do the second album, um, I had already had think of uh, think about it. I had uh, uh, I want to love you. Um, I had um, uh, what other? I think I had he won't hurt you. So I had about three songs already ready, um, but they didn't know about these songs. They didn't. They thought we were over. They thought we were in New York. You know, BSing around. You know, they didn't think we had a whole album, you know what I'm saying? And, and we had about maybe, I had maybe about four or five songs at that time. So mm-hmm. that's when they brought in, that's when Candy Tooks brought in. She said, you know, I think you should work with uh, with Eric. And I'm like, you know, at first I was like, uh, I really don't want to do it because I, I really want to do my own stuff. Yeah. But when I got, when I, I flew down to Atlanta, we got there and um, um, it was him and Wes. And, uh, and we had, we brought a guy in um, named Tommy Martin who played the guitar. Yeah. So uh, uh, when Shorty got her eyes on me, was made, man. I mean, uh, we collectively did that joint together, and it was amazing, man. I mean, I was like, oh shit, oh I like, it. I'm like, oh shit, all of a sudden, oh I like collaborating now. You know what I'm saying? Because like, I wouldn't have had that record had I not collaborated with those guys. So now I'm starting to feel like, oh shit, collaboration is pretty dope. I like that. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. now it's not just me in the room thinking about it. I got three other people. Or four, well, four other people yeah. in the room and, and we're bouncing ideas off each other. So I, I'm like, oh, this is dope. So that song came out. And then Eric and Wes went back and they did another song for me. They did Have You Seen That. And I didn't have anything to do with that record at all. But when I heard, I was like, this is smashed. Then I fell in love with Eric and Wes. I was like, oh shit, I got to get them there. <laughs> yeah. Hey, these guys got joints. You know what I'm saying? They, they can make records. And you know, to me, man, Eric, Eric has this writing style that's so dope, man. I mean, like, um, he did, it's a lot of swag in his writing, man. He yeah, got a, yeah. It's like that street swag, man. And I yeah. loved it. it. It just, it brought a whole nother side to Donnell. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Which, which, uh, which I appreciated, man. And, and, and I really appreciated him for jumping on the project, definitely. Yeah. You know, it's funny, because when I, I did a poll and about 3,000 people in my community voted, and I said, which of those, your first five albums do they prefer? Everyone went with, you know, um, Where I Want to Be, because it was your most popular one. But yeah, the, the real hardcore fans said the first one, and he had some that preferred Gen- Gemini, um, uh, The Journey of a Gemini. So you had people who really, knowing the music, really said, no, my heart was, was the real classic one, because it was one of the kind of things where you, you're listening to it, because, well, you first, you know, play in the hood and then you glisten to the album and really see the rawness. But then, you know, the, when an album is commercial, everyone's heard it and stuff, it's like easy to say, yeah, that, that's the favorite right. one. The, right. the, 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 when they bring in Left Eye to, to bring, and I know, you know, I've heard you speak about the fact that she burned Andre's house down and she was, she was trying to find her own voice and stuff. Um, when she comes on, on the track, did you know the song, um, was gonna get that big? Nah, nah. When, 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 well, they had Anthony Hamilton was involved in that record. Uh, a guy by the name of Bilal. Uh, Bilal. Cliff wow. Lighty. Yeah, um, not, not, not the single Bilal. Okay, okay. Uh, no, not the single. A, 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 a guy, a, a writer, a songwriter by the name of Bilal. Um, also, uh, uh, Darren Lighty and Eddie F. Okay. So when I first heard, when I first heard the record, it was, it was, the track was amazing. I was like, damn, this track is stupid. But it was another song. It was a song called When You Hear the Car Horn Blow. And I, I just hated that song. 
So they went back and rewrote it, man. And they and they came back with, you know, what's up? And I was like, God damn, this shit is so hot. Um, but I didn't have anything to do with Left Eye getting on that record. Eddie played the record for LA, and I think him and LA discussed something, and, and they was like, yo, we should put Lisa on the record. You know, so when Lisa got on the record, man, it, it just took the record to a whole other place. Yeah. Now, man. now, can I say I knew that it was going to be a big hit? I can't say that because I, I we, we don't know. You know, what yeah, I'm we yeah, don't know. Yeah. We know that it feels good to us, and we groove it in the studio. But you know, you don't know until you really put it out. But uh, um, man, when she got on that record and I heard it, I was like, damn. And again, they were at the height of their career. You know, yeah. and things were moving in a different direction. I think after that, after that, the burning down of the house. They sold an extra two or three more million dollars. I mean, two or three million records after that. Yeah. So I mean, it was just it was just meant to be. Yep. Yeah. And you know, there's a distinct sound by the Untouchables. You know, there's a there's a way that drum programming goes, Darren, and, and so you could hear the track and you could hear on because I think at that time Eddie and, and the Untouchables and Dave all had a, a distinct sound. You know, like Teddy Riley or or yeah. Roddy Jenkins that you could say, okay, or even, even Jermaine and stuff. So what does the album, so when the album, your second album goes platinum plus, what, what's it like for you just all around, you know, you're more successful, well, internationally known with all the success. Does it change you in, in any way? Yeah. <laughs> change everything about me, you know. I'm feeling myself now, you know, I, I go from this, you know, this, this little introvert guy, I, you know, sticking my chest out now. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, so so it, it was a um, it was a, a, a unique situation, man. I, I loved every moment about it. Um, um, I was on the road, man. I mean, I'm, I'm I'm doing shows in front of you know thousands and thousands of people, man. I like and, and not to mention, man, when I when I sing where I want to be, I'm 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 watching people in the crowd, man, crying and and yeah, and yeah, yeah. It's, it, it, it's it's this music is touching people. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? We go, we go from, from happy moments to sad moments. You know what I'm saying? So it, it, it felt like I had arrived and it felt like I was really, really touching people with this music, you know, um, especially in London. And I, I remember coming in, in London and, uh, and, and singing, you know, what's up for the first time. And, and I couldn't even really sing it because the crowd was singing it louder than me and I had the microphone. Wow. You know, so it was, it was, I had amazing moments, man, with, with that particular album, man. And still today, man, when I come over to London or everywhere I go, man, um, it's, it's when those two records I played, man, the, the, the crowd, man, they just, they go wild. Cause it, I guess it's a moment in their life that they remember that made them feel good. Yeah. I mean, What's that? Yeah, no, but it, yeah, it, it's, it, it, you came out at the right time in, in the era where music was appreciated. So I think where we wanted to come to is coming to this, the fact that you've come over your, seven, your seventh album called 100% Free. Yeah. Now, there's, there's, I, I follow you on, the, on Instagram and I noticed that over the summer, there was, you know, that you, there was a, I don't know if there was some, one of the things that we've noticed um, just in general that we didn't, I, I didn't realize how much the record labels had a lot of ownership over people's work. So Prince yeah. has been talking about this for many years, even Michael Jackson in, in the early 2000s. And it's only recently that I, my audience and I are realizing that, wow, you, it's like go to Walgreens, buy an ingredients to make a cake. And then by the time you make it, Walgreens says, well, you know, we actually own the cake. So we can give you a slice of it, but we'll take right. the rest home. Right. And so I, I just wonder 
how much of the business side of the industry did you not get into, did you not really grapple with when you first started that after a while you realized, wow, it's, it's not as fun as, it, as I actually thought it would be? Well, you know what, to be honest with you, man, I, I didn't, in the beginning, I didn't care. I didn't care, you know what I'm saying? Because I'm a, a musician, man. I'm, I'm, I care about the music. I'm, I'm not thinking about the business part of it. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's what we hire people to do. You know, I'm, 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 I'm a creative person. You know what I'm saying? So I, I didn't care. Um, and, and when I got my, I was, I was thinking I was, again, I was 19 when I got my, maybe 19 or 20, something like that. When I got my publishing deal, I didn't have no money. You know what I'm and then somebody gives me eighty thousand dollars. I'm like, oh shit! What the hell, man? This, I mean, you know, I, I I know I wasn't rich, but I go from zero to eighty grand. I'm able to do some stuff for my family. I'm able. I mean, not much, but I'm I, I'm able to do something. So I I didn't think about those things. You know, um, those things didn't come later on uh, until later on after after uh, the way I want to be. Then now I'm starting to think about okay, because I, I at the end of the day, man, I I got some great checks. I don't know about the other artists, you know what I'm saying? But I, I, they took care of me. Yeah, Maybe because, you know, again, there's a difference. The difference is that if you're an artist and you're out here singing other people's songs, you're going to have a hard time. Yeah. That wasn't me. You know, I was out here singing my own songs. I, I had ownership of my publishing. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like I, I had, I mean, well, I had, so I had, um, um, did a publishing deal but they only had owned 25% of my publishing. Wow. You know what I'm saying? So while I wasn't, maybe I wasn't getting money from the face, I was still getting money from, from ASCAP. I was getting money from, from, uh, from my publishers. Um, so I, I wasn't in a bad position. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, I can't really say I ever made a dime from the face because we were always unrecouped, but I had money coming from other places. I had show money. I had, so it wasn't like um, I was, twiddling my thumb like oh shit what's going to happen next for me yeah i was just i just kept working man you know um and i i i love the fact that uh my life went that way instead of uh instead of me not being a songwriter because i hear the horror stories of uh you know so many people man not not having money and 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 being yeah. broken and it, it can happen man especially especially when you're chasing uh that 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 look because yeah. artists have to look a certain kind of way you got to yeah. drive a certain kind of car you can't you know there's this thing you got to keep up yeah. Well, no, and, but you started off by talking about how Eddie was different because most people in his position would have meant that you would have had your publishing stuff. And so that's a lot of credit goes to him for setting oh, you yeah. guys, setting you guys oh, yeah, up. Man. He, I mean, you know, he had a staff, man. They, 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 they made it really, really easy, man. They set up everything, man. Um, um, again, I was a, a producer on Untouchables as well. So, okay. I mean... He was getting me work, you know. The 702 record came from him. Eddie, yeah, I had yeah. a, I had a group, I had a group at the time. Um, these young girls, and um, and I had wrote the song for them. So uh, Eddie came and, and heard the record. He was like, "Yo, I'm working on this group named 702. You should give them this record." I'm like, "Nah, this for my group." He like, "Donnell, <laughs> I'm telling you, you should give them this record." So I said, you know what? All right, here you go. Just, just take it in. And, and, and he played it for him, man. Next thing you know, they wanted to record it. You know, so so yeah. I was always in a position to get money working with Eddie. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I was, because he made sure that, you know, everybody on his team ate. And that's yeah. what I, I respect him uh, uh, and love about him, man. Because, I mean, you know, he kind of almost like a lot of times he would give uh, uh, other people deals when he could do the work himself. He'd be like, nah, you know what? I'm 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 gonna send Dave this. I'm gonna send Donnell this. When he could have actually did it himself. 
Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, you got to have a lot of respect for somebody like that, man. Yeah, definitely. So, um, I, I just have, let me, if I run through some of the questions that people ask, because um, there's a few of them here. Um, one, okay, somebody said, um, uh, okay, so with the success of the, the actually, so, um, actually, let me see, okay. What was the fa your um, your favorite spot to write and reflect? Um, studio, studio. Uh, I had a home studio, and uh, I just go down there and work every day, man. I light some candles up and you know set the mood, and I just go down to write. You know, low low lit room. Um, kind of like this room is lit right now, but it probably be a little bit darker. Wow. Um, yeah, I just like to catch a vibe, man. For me, it's all about the vibe. Uh, and melodies just flow. You know, I I. In some ways, I feel like I'm an antenna, mm -hmm. and, uh, and and I just get the signal, and whatever comes through, is that, that's what happens. When I speak to a lot of songwriters, whether Melvin Riley, Timmy Gaffin, and stuff, it, it seems as if that's what happens, that it just comes down. And when they talk about it, that they don't know the melody comes or the beat comes and the lyrics come in. It's almost like a, a gift as opposed yeah. to going to school to learn how to write a song. It, it, that, that's the only way I can say it, it is a gift. You know, again, I, I feel like I'm just watching the process happen. Even though it's coming through me, I feel like I'm just watching the process happen because, again, when something, when, when music starts to play, things just pop right in my head like, boom. Wow. Okay, this, this, this should go for that. You know what I'm saying? Melodies just come right in. So, you know, um, I guess you can call it a gift. But, again, I, I, I almost feel like I'm just an antenna and I just get the signal. Yeah. The other question was, um, what was your favorite, what is his favorite song and why? My favorite song would be on my first album. It's called I Want You To Know. And uh, the reason why I love that song so much is because when I wrote it, um, again, I'm speaking about that spiritual thing, man, where it, it just came to me in a way that uh, I knew I had to make this record. From the chords, from everything, like, because I wouldn't naturally play chords like that. Yeah. Um, it just felt really good. And when I when I listened to it and I sat back, I'm like, even though it sounds like I'm talking, I'm singing to a uh, uh singing to another woman, it almost felt like I was supposed to be listening to this as if I, as if I was writing it to myself. Wow. You know, and I and I get that with a lot of my songs. When I really sit back and listen to it, it's like, damn, is this a message for me? You know what I'm saying? Like, like, am I supposed to be looking at this the opposite way around? Like, because a lot of them seem like I'm talking to myself, but yeah. but but you wouldn't know that because they're they're about females they're about you know so yeah. yeah the um there's i've got brando chicago five so he's from chicago he says um where the um did you feel like you got support from other chicago acts artists from chicago <laughs> you know what man um i can't say i did or i can't say i didn't i never reached out to anybody you know um i i believe that if i if i if I had a more outgoing personality at that particular time in my life, then I, I believe that, you know, everybody would embrace me. I didn't, I never got any negative, anything from anybody uh, in Chicago or from any artists. Uh, uh, but, you know, again, I was an introvert, you know, I was one of those people that was kind of scared to, 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 uh, to jump out. Now, if I drink, now if I'm drinking, <laughs> that's a different story. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm the most outgoing person there, but I had to have alcohol to do it, you know? So, oh, okay. yeah. Yeah, so the other question that, and, and I'm just running through some of the questions, because I, I, I did, did you do any collaboration with Nas? That's what somebody, 
Nah, I never did a collaboration with Nas, man. Would love to, you know what I'm saying? Because he's definitely one of my favorite uh, uh, MCs, man. Are you um, going to release I, a joint album? That's what somebody said. Donnell and Nas were going to... They said Donnell and Nas were supposed to release a joint album. Was that ever... That's the first I'm ever hearing of that. Okay. 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 <laughs> I just really, I just really met Nas, man, a few years ago. You know what I'm saying? Okay. You know, uh, but but Eddie used to always tell me, man. I, th I think uh, Nas, I, I, when I wrote the song um, uh, "Life Goes On," Nas had Nas had reached out to Eddie like, "Yo, I, I love that record." You know what I'm saying? Like, like, yo, uh, dude, man, really put his foot in that record. But I, I never had got a chance to meet him, man. Okay. And uh, he, he had a concert in in uh, Detroit. Uh, maybe about four years ago, man, and I went and I got a chance to meet him, man. So, so okay. uh, that that was pretty cool. Yeah, well, well, yeah, I had a fan from Japan. Where I want to be, or life goes on. But my favorite songs was "Believe in Me," and uh, it says, "Tell them somebody in Japan just, um, really loves you so much." I mean, that's the thing about it's sometimes hard to realize how much you reach out to people in Japan, Africa, and stuff because you know when you're very U.S. based and stuff. Um, but and I think a lot of people were really complimenting about your style. Now I know back in the day, Chicago, back in the fifties and sixties, Chicago was known for style. But for you, personally, where did that sense of stress style come from? I mean, well, my, my grandfather used to always rock fedoras. I'm talking about man, he had too many fedoras. It's crazy, but that wasn't really the reason why I started wearing fedoras. You know, the reason I started wearing fedoras is because at, at like eighteen, my hair started. I started balling at eighteen. You know what I'm saying? So, okay. so, and I was self-conscious. That's another reason why I was pretty much an intro, introvert too, because I was self-conscious about, you know, my hairline, you know what I'm saying? And back then they didn't have what they got now where guys can go and do all these things to fix it up and all of that. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. so I was, so, so what we did was, I remember when, when I was with the group, um, Eddie noticed that. So what he did was he made everybody else in the group cut their hair off. Wow. You know what I'm saying? So we, so we, we were all looking like the R&B Onyx at that particular time. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Um, but that's what he did. So, so uh, um, my style and everything that that um, it definitely comes from Chicago, man. The rocking of the hats, you know, tilted to the side, just like you know, because Chicago was known for pimping. So, yeah, you know, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. my whole swag was just you know, real cool, real real cool, calm and collective, man. But just with an edge. Yeah. You know, but, you know, but it's strange because everyone cuts their hair now. I mean, but Jordan was doing it. And, and but yeah. I think back in those, when you're young, it, it, it probably made it made a massive difference. And it wasn't too many R&B acts that had low-cut hairs back then. No, nah, the only one was Dark Kelly. I mean, he, he the only one that had a bald head and, and, and uh, at that particular time. But and, and that's why I wore hats because I didn't want people to say, well, oh, he's trying to be like, you know, so uh, I, I said, you know what, let's flip it and do the, you know, do the hat thing. Yeah, yeah. The um, a lot of people talk about um, family life. Um, how was it being an R&B star, an artist, touring and everything, and then maintaining a sort of a healthy, balanced family? Um, it was, it was, it was tough. I mean, you know, I'm I'm not going to sit here and and and, uh, and lie about it. It was tough. Um, I had four children uh, at that time. Um, I really didn't get it. I was there financially, but I really wasn't there. I missed a lot of great moments, you know, due to the fact that I had to go out and promote and I had to go out and, and, and do shows and all these things like that. But they understood. They understood. And and um, but it was tough. It was tough for me as a as a as a dad and, and, and someone who go from not having anything to now I'm a, I'm a, I'm a full provider. You know, uh -huh. so I had to make make sure that uh, uh, my house life 
uh, uh, was, was, was in a great shape. Did you, the touring part, did you enjoy that part? Because um, you said you were an introvert, but what was it like when you had to be on tour? I loved it. I loved it. You know what? Because at that, now I'm, I'm in my, if we're talking about, I'm in my second album now. So, I mean, things are, are moving up. I knew how to turn into that guy when it was time to go on stage. You know, there were two different people. And I'm a Gemini too, so I knew how to turn it on and then turn it off, you know? Mm -hmm. So I had to become somebody else when, when it was time for, to go on stage. And I, and, and I did that pretty well. I do that still today. You know what I'm saying? Like when it's time to go on stage, as soon as I put my clothes on, it makes me feel different. You know what I'm saying? Now, now you know, I got my swag is there. But until I get, it's, it's almost like, like a superhero. When they put the, put the suit on, yeah, yeah. then they ready to go. That's how it is for me. Like, when I put my clothes on, and I'm looking in the mirror and putting the hat right, and, and yeah. it just it just makes me feel like a totally different person. Then I go out and do my thing. I always heard Beyonce when she said it back in the day that she she you know because when she, you interview her she's very shy and reserved. Then she says, but when she's on the stage, she becomes a different person. I, I didn't understand that, but as as you're saying, it kind of makes sense that she, you, you you're able to put on another another person and. Yeah. But then if somebody just, if you were in a, in a small private gathering of, of six people and they said, hey, sing, would it be a challenge? Um, it probably would. Now, nowadays it probably would, because you know, I'm just used to doing it a certain kind of way. Uh, but when I was when I was a kid, I, I didn't have a problem with singing in front of anybody. You know, I don't know where, where, I don't know where these things developed at. You know, but you know, maybe I picked up some things along the way, but, but when I was a kid, man, I, I used to love when girls asked me to sing in a lunchroom. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Because I, I love the attention that I was getting. But again, those, those are people I, I knew. I think when I when I um, got into the music business, I was a little intimidated by other celebrities. Yeah. You know, so I think that was my, you know, my thing that made me more of an introvert. Yeah. So did you, did you, apart from Left Eye, which of the, um, and you also did some stuff with Usher, but what about the other people, Tony Braxton and um, Outkast and, Goody Mob, um, Pink, did you, because you're part of the face, did you guys sort of, you know, even as, as yet, did you guys have a like office party and everyone's doing stuff? <laughs> you know what? I mean, honestly, I don't, I don't know. Cause you know, again, I, I lived in Jersey and LaFace was in Atlanta. Yeah. So, you know, all, all the, all of the, all of the LaFace artists lived in Atlanta. I was the only one that did, you know, cause I was an, I was an untouchable artist. I was just signed to the face, you know. So, as Untouchables, yeah, we got together, man. We we balled out. We had a great time. Yeah. But for me, you know, when we did, I knew everybody. So I I, I can have a great. It's different when you know everybody in the room than yeah, you know yeah. when you go somewhere you don't know nobody. Yeah, Some people yeah. can 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 function in those situations where they go they can still be the life of the party when they don't know people. Yeah. I wasn't like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But okay. So, but with intro then, um, because they were. A group that were, I mean, their songs were so powerful, especially with Kenny yeah. wrote and stuff. Yeah. You know, unfortunately, that's so strange. Being their albums didn't go double platinum. I, you know, like I, I was surprised. You know, everyone would tell you they they loved the intro, they bought the album, but it, it yeah. didn't get the push. But did you know? I know when I spoke to Buddy, he talked about you know Kenny's passing, especially after the road uh, new 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 life. But he's part of the part of Untouchables. Yeah. What was it? How hard was it for you guys when you know when he was when he passed or when he was going? Did you did you all were you all part there? Did you... 
Well, uh, um, I mean, it was it was tough. It was pretty tough. I mean, you know, it was very unexpected. Um, um, again, you know, I had only met Kenny a few times. I wasn't like really close close with him like that. Okay. Um, you know, and, and when when I came around, um, they were so busy on the road. They they weren't really around a lot. Okay. You know, because they were promoting their album, they were out doing their thing. So um, um, as they finished their project, I think we had came to Eddie maybe a year after that. So they were out doing their thing. Okay. Um, so we didn't get the chance to spend a lot of time together. But um, but but you know, I, I got a chance to hang around with with uh, uh, Chico DeBarge. Uh, oh, um, yeah, that's man, that's a good brother, man, good brother, man. I, I think I wrote a song for him on his album because he used to be signed to LaFace too. Before oh, I got signed to the face, he was a little face artist as well. I, I don't um, remember so that's him how Motown. I, okay. No, no, he, he was on the face at first. Then he went to Motown. Okay. Um, on Motown. Yeah, man. So um um yeah, I got a chance to be around a, 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 a lot of great people, man, but but I'm still an introvert. I, I was yeah. still, you know, one of those quiet guys. You know? Yeah. I'm gonna this is somebody um there's Omar who, who was into music as well. His um, what he says, he suggested that did you record your own version of Get It Together? Uh, maybe it worked with um, Mila. Nah, nah, you know, it, it was always a woman's song. Um, so I never, I never thought to lay anything, any parts down. I, I strictly wrote that for a girl group that I had. Okay, I, I think the, the, the question I, I, I did have then, I guess, is um, with this your seventh album, the whole, the whole dynamics of music has changed. You know, R&B has almost been, almost wiped away from us and stuff. What was your, I mean, from, from somebody who was, you know, really in, in the mix of it, you know, in, in the 90s and early 2000s, which, which especially John Tosh was doing a lot of work. And then you've seen hip hop being pushed by the labels and stuff. What was it like for you guys, especially for you to see how your core was being limited, very limited airplay. So people are saying, look, we didn't get to listen to most of the other album because the air it wasn't getting much airplay and promotion because hip hop was pushed in. What was it like from the inside as an artist? I was horrible. Uh, I can remember, you know, again, being on the face records and uh, I, I seen the shift coming when, uh, you know, when, when Aris, the record shut down and all the artists had to go over to Jive Records and then L.A. Reid, he went over to Def Jam. I seen a shift then, you know, I, I knew something was, 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 uh, was happening. Um, but for me, man, I mean, it really didn't, uh, it didn't bother me as much as it should have, you know, cause by then I had already left New York and I had moved down here to Atlanta, you know, so I can, so I can, uh, um, raise my family, you know? Um, so, you know, when those things happen, man, I, I, the way things are now, I really feel like there was an agenda to, to, to dumb down the music, you know? Because, you know, quite naturally, man, the powers that be, they know that music heals. Music yeah. heals the soul. It, 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 it teaches. And they also know that, well, if, if we give a few people some money, we can, we can fuck up the whole population if, 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 if we allow a few people to send the wrong message. Yeah. So now a lot of people are sending the damn wrong message. Because, you I mean, if, 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 if I'm a young guy and, I'm a, and I want to be a songwriter, and I see this is what's selling, then that's what I'm gonna start writing. Yeah. You know, I'm not gonna write some, you know, some some good stuff. I'm gonna write whatever is selling. You know what I'm saying? So I think that was a that was a, a decision made by somebody higher up to say, okay, let's get away from this and let's start doing this. 
because because when we came out, you know, we were singing about love. Yeah. The thing about R&B back then was that you had Maxwell, D'Angelo, me, uh, you had Usher, you had R. Kelly, Joe, Joe yeah. uh, uh, Brian McKnight, Brian McKnight, uh, Eric Benet, uh, uh Chico DeBarge. Yeah. I mean, you had uh, you had a lot of you had Carl Thomas, Dave yeah. Hollister. Yeah. The funny thing about it is that we all sang R and B, but we all had our own styles. Yeah. yeah, nobody sounded the same. Yeah, you know, and uh, and we all sang about love in different yeah. ways. You know, you had some guys was more about sex, some guys was more about relationships, other guys were about both. Yeah, you know, and I think that um, what's going on today is the fact that a lot of people sound the same. Yeah. You know, a lot of the music sounds the same. Nobody yeah. has their own sound. It's just like you know, you play the radio and you hear one long record. Because everything yeah. is so much of the same, and I think back then there was it was diverse. Yeah, you, know, you had a lot of different, a lot of different sounds, and I, I think that that uh, equated to the type of love that we had back then. Yeah, now it's a little different, you know, and I think that's where we're going. We're getting back to that. Yeah, but then did you ever get a chance to talk to someone like LA and say, you know, he has, he's one of the he was up there to say what you, what was his thoughts about how things have shifted? Because you're saying about an agenda. As fans, we could see it, but it's but we don't understand how things are controlled. We just realize that people want to go back to the old stuff and are, and are listening to the old stuff. Like the verse, like not the well, the verses, the Teddy and Babyface one was really the big one. But then yeah. the Pastor Mike was very big because it was like these are the songs we remembered, you know. And and I think when you came out with Karma, and and I played it, a lot of people says, "Oh, classic Donnell," and because it sounded like what you used to come up with and you're doing it today, it almost feels like, well, if he can do it, why can't anyone else do it? Did you? Um, to be honest, you know what, to be honest with you, man, when I, when I, when I um, did Karma, uh, and I'm gonna be honest, man, I like, I, people may say that sounds like my old, it, it's not really my old style. Um, what I did was that, that was, to me, Karma is an older, older sound. My sound was even more young. Like I wouldn't equate and say Karma sounds like a, like a he won't hurt you or I mean it's two different styles. Yeah. That yeah. style, that karma style of music that came back from like the 80s. You know what I'm saying? The 70s when the stylistics was doing it. Um the reason I did that record is because on this particular album, what I decided to do was I wanted to to talk about love. I wanted to promote love. So on this particular 100 percent free album, I said I'm gonna do every genre of music that I can to push love. Mm -hmm. It's not going to be your typical R&B album that people expect from me because if I'm trying to push love, I want to, I want to do it in every genre. So I did a house track yeah. that goes to that, that goes to that, that area. I did a, a reggae track mixed with a little African that goes to that area. Yeah. Then I, I, and I had to do what people expect of me. So I did three R&B tracks. I did, I did a uh, serious, I did um, um, karma and yeah. also did, uh, uh, oh, uh, I forget the name of it, but <laughs> but uh, um, yeah, I, I did those records, and I, then I did a hip hop record, which is fresh. Mm -hmm. um, but my intentions for doing this particular album was to reach as many people as I can with the message of love. Yeah. If somebody is expecting the the regular Donnell Jones album R and B all the way through, that's not that's probably never going to happen again because I never want to be put in a box. My thing is, I want to grow as a songwriter. And if people don't accept that, then that's that is what it is. But we as as creators don't want to be don't want to do the same thing we did before. 
because I feel like if you if you want to listen to that style of music, then you you already got those albums. Just go back and listen to those records. Yeah, you know, yeah. I'm always going to be the kind of guy that that makes new R&B records, but you probably never get a record where it's just going to be R&B from front to end. Because yeah. for me, that's bo- for me that's boring. Yeah, you know, that's, yeah. that's for me that's playing it safe, and I, I don't want to play it safe. I want to I want to create things that that go far and different places, reach different places. Because for me, it's about love. It's about the messages of love. So I'm trying to reach as many people as I can. Yeah. And I'm only going to reach a certain amount of people doing R&B. Yeah. So I'll always, that's my core. But at the end of the day, I want to spread my spread it out and do other things. Yeah, no, and, 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 and it's definitely something that's it's very adventurous. And I, and I wonder, the idea of, of having it 100% free is, 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 is something that people are, are, are like, oh, what's the catch? And, and, but, but because it's, it's, it's very rare for anyone to give anything away for free and especially something as precious as creative music. From your point of view, what was, what was the inspiration for doing something like this? Because you know what, when the pandemic hit, um, I just seen the world, man, just go crazy, man. I mean, um, a lot of people lost their jobs. Um, and I had, got a, I had a, got a strong thought that you should do a free album. You know, again, I'm, 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 I feel like I'm, a, I'm picking up the signal. So I got a strong thought. You should do a free album and you should name it 100% free. And then the thought came and, and the thought came to do different styles and just try to push this message of love. Um, I did it for free because, you know, again, nobody has done it and, and, and I don't want anything back from it. It's okay. You know, what I'm going to do, what I'm doing now is I, I, I put it up for sale on, um, on iTunes, people can download it for free from my website. But I have a donate button because I'm also donating 25% of the proceeds to missingkids.org. Mm-hmm. And that's because, you know, like, you know, at the beginning of the pandemic, I had learned that 800,000 kids go missing every year. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you know, why not lend my, my hand? You know, um, God gave me this talent for free. I didn't pay for it. So why mm-hmm. not bless the world with something for free? And I feel like, you know, when you do things from your heart without asking for anything in return, there's going to be so many blessings behind that. And even if they're not, why not do something for people for free? Because at the end of the day, man, like, like we're here to help. We're not here to take advantage of, yeah. you know, things. I'm, I'm, I'm okay. God has blessed me in so many ways that I'm okay. I can do this, you know, and why not do it? Yeah. The, 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 the... I, I, when I'm not doing this, I, I work as a therapist for children under 18 in, in the UK. And, you know, so the course that you picked up, it, you know, I think it's, it is something that we, we probably take for granted. 800,000 kids going missing. Um, yes. So you think about the families. You think That's about... That's 1.6 million parents. Yeah. That's yeah. missing their kids. Yeah. That's the siblings. crazy. Just, just... That's- what does the charity, the missing, what do they do, missing kids? Do, what, do they help find them or what, what, what's they their? Help find, yeah, they help find them. Um, um, they also, you know, help the families uh, deal with it. Um, I mean, I don't know how you help people deal with something like that. Uh, yeah. I, I just think that, you know, I'm just surprised that a lot of other celebrities are not talking about this. You know, I'm just surprised that we don't see this on the news every day. Yeah. That's why I wanted to do it because it's like, why the hell are we not talking about this? This is the biggest thing ever. You know what I'm saying? Forget who the goddamn president is or who this is. It's people, kids out here goddamn missing. Yeah. Like, like, and we're not talking about it. We more fighting over other crazy shit. And 
you know, we're not paying attention to the children. The children are our future. Yeah. I mean, if we're not protecting them, then what the hell are we doing? You know, yeah. so that that was my whole thing. And and uh, again, me doing this whole 100% free album, it's also we want to be free again. We want to be free from a lot of things. You know, 100% free represents free from addiction, free from negative thinking. I think, you know, it's okay to enjoy the world, but we overconsume everything. We yeah. overconsume. Now we can't even live because we can't live without it. Yeah. You know, so my whole thing with pushing 100% free is to be free from everything that may be harming you because the body is the temple. Yeah. And if we're not taking care of this thing, then, I mean, that's why we leave Earth a little bit sooner than we should yeah. because we don't pay attention to our house, the house that we live in. Yeah. So that was my thing with pushing 100% free. I felt like I got a message and I felt like I wanted to participate. I, I didn't have a choice in it. Yeah. I had to do it. You know, I had to do it. You know, somebody did ask about where you go when you're writing songs, but then there's a point that you, uh, um, I, I knew that you, you had to, to take a time off from, to, to meditate. Well, you know, when you, what was the reason behind that? And then and where exactly did you get to go? Um, I was, man, I, uh, about maybe 13 years ago, man, I, I was having a tough time. You know, I, I was uh, drinking a lot. Uh, smoking a lot of marijuana, um, having a lot of negative thoughts. Um, I was just going through a lot of things mentally that I couldn't explain. You know, it just had me down. And the only thing I could do was self-medicate at that particular time. So I had went on Twitter and, um, and I asked somebody, man, like, what could I do? Like, and the first thing that came was you should try to meditate. Now I had never tried it or never did it before. Um, so I went in and, and researched a little bit and tried to find out what it was about. And, and, I, and I did it one day. And the day that I did it, I had the most excruciating headache ever in my life. It was like my body was fighting me. My body didn't want to, my body and my mind didn't want to sit there in silence. It just wanted to keep, yeah, yeah. you know, doing its thing, you know, because that's what it's designed to do. Yeah. Um, so I started meditating, man. I, I kept at it, kept at it, kept at it. And eventually, man, you know what? I just started to realize, like, Wow, I'm in control. You know, I mean, these are just ideas. These are just suggestions. I don't have to grab every one of them. Yeah. I could just, you know, I could pick and choose which ones I want to do. You know what <laughs> yeah. I'm saying? Then, then, then the thought came, cigarettes. Cigarettes started, they started legal. I'm like, that's just a thought. It's just a thought that pops in my mind. And, and, and when it pops in, I just got to say no to it. So once I started to realize that, I started applying it to everything. You know what I'm saying? I started applying it and making, making sure that, look, I'm the master, this is the slave. If whatever idea you come up with, it's up to me to either do it or not to do it. But many people, what they do is they go, they don't even understand the difference between, they just go right into it. They go right into whatever the mind, whatever the mind does, they go right into it. Yeah. You know, without thinking about it, to me, that's a slave, you know? Yeah. You have to become the master of your house. So what I did was, the better and better I became at uh, meditating, uh, another friend of mine called me and said, "You know, um, you should go to Peru. Peru. They have a, they have a, um, they have this thing down there called ayahuasca. You should go try it." So I said, "You know what? Boom! I'm gonna try it." The very next day, she told me I, I went and I um, um, booked me a flight. It just it, everything just lined up. It was like I was supposed to go. It's meant for me to go. So uh, I went there, man. I stayed in the jungle for two weeks. Um, 
it was like a hotel amazing. or something? Is it like a camp? No, it, it, it was like a, uh, it was a retreat. You know, it was okay. probably, they had maybe 15 people okay. um, uh, were there and we all stayed in, in different places. You know, so okay. I, I was back, I was back in the, in the back a little bit more, um, back in the jungle part. And we all came uh, to meet up late at night, you know, to, to discuss and, and take ayahuasca and things like that. But it was the best experience I've had in my life because I had never traveled by myself. I was going to a foreign place. I didn't know the language. Um, I jumped off the plane with a, with a sign saying, you know, um, take me here. They could have wow. took me anywhere and killed me. So I, I, that, was, that was the first time in my life that I had to really, really use my faith. Wow. And it showed me that, you know, faith is all we got. You know, yeah. we can sit here and try to play like, you know, we in control of these things. But, you know, at the end of the day, man, faith is what, what took me there and what brought me back home. And I use that in every, I don't worry about anything anymore, man. I just let life happen because it's going to happen anyway. Did your family and friends notice a difference after you returned? Yeah, man. Yeah. I mean, uh, uh, again, man, I, I was an asshole for a couple of years, you know what I'm saying? Because of my alcoholism, because of, you know, so, so when, when I started to meditate, people started to see a change in me already yeah. because I started, you know, a lot about me was becoming different. Now, a lot of people didn't like the change either because, you know, because while I was drinking and doing all those things, I was also giving a lot of money away <laughs> and, 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 and funding a lot of things that I shouldn't have been funding. So as I'm getting better, the people that were taking advantage of me, they didn't, they didn't want to see a change. Wow. But the people that loved me were very happy and in my corner and was like, yo, man, just keep doing what you're doing. Wow. And, um, and I'm, I'm, I'm happy I am where I am right now, you know, at, and, and the stage of my life that I am right now, because I know that you know, in, in order to uh, to become a better person, that we got to fix fix self first. Yeah, you know, as as I said, I'm a therapist, CBT. So you you, you get these uh, negative automatic thoughts that come in. It's like going into a bank, and the thought comes, "Can you rob this?" And somebody who has anxiety would think, "Oh, I'm going to rob the place," and they won't go into a bank again. Right. And you have to realize that the thoughts are going to come, but you can yeah, control the come. thoughts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. And you know what? And another thing that people don't realize is that it's what you pay attention to. You have to, pay, yeah. you know, stop paying attention to those type of thoughts. Because you know what? I'm not gonna. I'll, I'll tell you this. They um, <laughs> they they, they kind of own me because I got another interview. Okay, okay, okay. I just finished it up this time. Yeah. Um, I forgot what I was saying though. No, this was about the thoughts about owning and taking control. Yeah, yeah. You know, so so I, I think that you know a lot of people don't understand that that again, it's what you pay attention to, you know? Um, um, and you just gotta, I just can't wait for people to start waking up and understanding, man, that who they are inside and what's what's available to them, you know, if, if they just change their life, you know? Um, I think a lot of us are just, you know, we were sleep, we're sleepwalking yeah. and we need to understand where the power lies. Yeah. So I guess finally the, the album is gonna come out. Are, are we gonna expect, now I did see on Instagram, you, you were with, um, RL and was it um, Carl Thomas and Carl Thomas? Yeah. yeah. So, I, are, we, are we expecting a video from Karma anytime soon? Oh yeah. Um, the video should be. We just wrapping it up right now. Um, expect a remix as well. Okay. Um, I don't want to give too much of that away, but it's gonna be a really dope remix. Um, and yeah, man, I, I'm excited, man. The album came out on Valentine's Day. You know, the day that we, you know, said love was love day. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Every day of love day, but but uh, it released on Valentine's Day. Um, uh, again. Uh, I'm giving 25% of the proceeds to uh, missingkids.org 
Or, you know, again, you can go and you can download the album from my website for free. You can buy it on iTunes. You can stream it on all the platforms. It's there yeah. for you to do so. Um, and again, I love the fans, man. I appreciate them for rocking with me. But I would love your support so I can, you know, help help those kids, man. You yeah. know, uh, uh, and, and again, if you can't, there's no pressure. No pressure at yeah. all. Enjoy the music. Will we ever see you back on the road again is, is when things calm down, the COVID and stuff? I can't wait, man. I mean, I really can't wait to get back on stage. It's been a year. You know, I, I can't remember a time in my life that uh, uh, I said I haven't been on stage in a year. You know, this is this has been a year, man, and, and I, I hate it. I yeah. hate it. But, you know, again, we have to follow rules, and and um, I can't wait for it to be over. Yeah, are, are you still part of Untouchables? Or not? With yeah, Ed, Eddie's my man, man. Eddie's my man. I mean, we'll always be, you know. Um, Got a lot of love and respect for him. I can't wait for this next project, which, which will be called Elevate. That's when we bring everything back together. You know, I I, I would have had him on this particular album, but again, I was doing it for free. So I don't want to, I didn't want to reach out to none, none of my friends and ask them to work for free. But this next album, Elevate, is what you would expect from Donnell, but on steroids. Okay, okay. One question I always ask all my guests is that if you were stuck in an elevator and they said, look, it'll take about two or three hours, what movie would you want to watch while we get you before we get you out? What would you pick? Movie? Yeah. I'm 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 picking Shawshank Redemption. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I, I love that movie, man. <laughs> yeah. One of the top ten movies ever. And then they're about to put the movie on, but they said, "Look, we can play a song for you before we put the movie on." What, what song would you request? Oh man. Uh I think I'm requesting Michael Jackson, "Lady of My Life." You know, it's, that's my all-time, all-time. That's my, that's my, that's my all-time right there. Out of all records, is that? I, you know, I mean, Rod Temptin, genius songwriter, but the way Michael delivers the song, Amazing. you know, I only, I only listen to the song probably once every other two or three months because I don't want it. It's like fine wine; you just can't rinse it out and stuff. I, you know, back in the nineties, everyone had a Stevie remix and recover. Um, you know, but no, not many people did the Michael stuff. And I, and I wonder, would you ever consider doing, doing Lady in Your Life, Lady in My Life? You know what? I, did, I didn't do uh, Lady in My Life, but what I did was I did take the track and wrote my own song on it. And it's called Loving You. Okay. If you get a chance, go look it up on YouTube. It's called Loving You. Uh, uh, I, I love that record. You know what I'm saying? Like, like if I had to choose between, uh, I'll always choose Lady in My Life. But yeah. I'm saying, if I had to choose between any of my other records, Loving You is one of those joints that it should have it should have made my album. But you know, again, Rod Temperton and, and Mike was like, "Nah, you're not. We're not letting you use that record." But oh. uh, it's, it's a it's it's a dope record. Okay, no, definitely check it out. Now I appreciate um, the fact that you took time. I know you've got another one, and probably not in less than an hour and stuff. I appreciate taking the time to answer the Thank questions and stuff. It's been fascinating hearing your journey and stuff, and you know, being able to answer the, the questions that the, the people have. But I'm going to really make sure people are aware about the missing kids um, situation, because I think it, it's important that we, we understand that, you know, a lot of us lost family members to COVID. And if, yes. if, you, if you, you know, my dad passed away in December. And so I, now, I know now, now how important it is to obey those kind of rules. But if, if I had a son or child who, got, who was missing, it's the worst thing because you don't know where they are. At least my dad, I know where he's at. But if, mm -hmm. if they're missing, you're constantly thinking are they coming around and stuff. So it's it's really important that we you know we, we really look into that. And uh, I'll be sure to do 
part of this to make sure that people are aware of this when this goes out and stuff. But it, it's, well, been, you, it's been a pleasure. It's been an honor to really get to really get, get me on board um, and, and the album. The song Cry, because I saw, I saw that when you put out the promo for The Missing Kids, but it wasn't on your album. Was it on a previous album? Yeah, Cry, Cry was on my Journey of a Gemini album. Okay. Okay. Yeah. It just okay. made sense to go with that with, with that promo because it's missing kids and all of that. Yeah. So that's why I put it on there. But it is it's, that's not a new song. That's, that's that, that song uh probably about maybe eight, nine years old. And that's the problem because they didn't, you know, it wasn't gonna promote it that a lot of us unless we really, you know, and that's that's the problem that we, we have with the with our radio and how the music industry has really shifted. But I appreciate the fact that you and your team are looking to see what can we do to take to take the streets back. Of, uh, I appreciate the, the area that really back. But I appreciate the interview and stuff. And um, yeah, <laughs> thanks a lot, Tony. I appreciate you, brother. Thank you, man. Take Great care. show, by the way. Great show. <laughs> I watch your show too. Oh, appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> All right, my brother. All right. Thanks for watching. Please remember to subscribe to the channel, but most importantly, to press the notification bell so that you can be notified when we do have a new interview loads to come but thanks a lot for watching